we're going to review Murder on the Orient Express, which is the remake of the 1970s film of the same name based on the Agatha Christie novel. Uh, Kenneth Branagh, director and actor. I believe uh, it's pronounced Kenneth Branagh. Branagh. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh is, uh, this is his reboot, and he's a director, and he plays the famed Hercule Poirot. Hercule Poirot. Uh, it's written by Michael Green, who did Logan and the new Blade Runner 2049, both of which we really liked, and yeah, both the of writing which was fantastic. Vin Logan was a, a resounding success. Yes. People credit as like the best X-Men movie of all of them. You know, so it's cool that he wrote that. Yeah. And he was there. He gave a talk after yeah, the movie. Yeah, we, we saw a Q&A with him at the uh, Arrow American Cinematique. He's a real working writer, man. That's cool. It's got a very impressive cast. Michelle Pfeiffer, Judy Dench, Derek Jacoby, uh, Daisy Ridley, Leslie Odom Jr., Manuel Garcia Rulfo, who was in the reboot of The Magnificent Seven. Wait, did you say the Derek Jacoby is in this? Yeah. That's he's a game changer. Cool. Game changer. Shut up. He's like a total I didn't even, OG. Didn't even know who that was until you said it was in the movie. I was like, dang. I was he's watching Jared Jacoby act res- the whole movie. Shut up. And I didn't even super know. Super respected British actor Penelope Cruz, Josh Gad, and Johnny Depp. And Johnny Depp, who actually is quite good in this film. In small doses. Well, so it's a murder mystery. It's set in 1934. It the, it begins at the Weeping Wall in Jerusalem, and we go to the we go to Istanbul, where they pick up the Orient Express, and it's, who we should say Poirot was never even meant to be on. That's it was correct. a chance encounter that lends him or has him ending up on the murder of the Orient Express. There's twelve passengers, and in the middle of the night, one of them is killed. And uh, he has to solve the, the mystery. And he was just about to retire. He's got five days to retirement. Just wanted to take well, a nice gonna train ride. He was going to take a vacation. Ride. He wasn't going to retire. He was just one week till retirement. Was, no, he wasn't retiring. This is his last trip. Um, but it, it stays very close to the book. It is... Uh, it's definitely been modernized. I'm a fan of the original film and the... It felt super modernized. It, yeah, there's a lot more sort of action, and it's got he's Kenneth Branagh's doing some like running and chasing, top and of the train, action. and guns, and there's a lot of more exterior shots of like cool CGI train going over a crazy mountain in an avalanche. Yeah, and it's, it's high octane. Well, the cinematography and the production design were exquisite. I have to say, the cinematography is probably the best thing about this film. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it feels super Hollywoody, though. It's very Hollywoody. Um, I'm just looking to see who. In a really bad way. Just it doesn't feel like, you know. Harris Zambralukos is the director of photography, and he did Thor. Oh, he worked with Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh on Thor, Thor and Mamma Mia and Cinderella. Well, yeah, it felt like a Cinderella. It looked like that stupid sort of Disney new wave fucking. Like re redux revamp style, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Which is cool, but it's also like a little too cool. Well, color correction and stuff. However, and- it's offset a bit by the production designer Jim Clay, who did Children of Men, which is that very dark. That kind is the of- opposite of a Hollywood looking movie. Yeah, uh, he also did Match Point, um, the Woody Allen movie that doesn't look at all like a Woody Allen movie, and and ironically, Love Actually, which does look like a Hollywoody Disney kind of thing. Um, but 
I thought that it was pretty well written, although I will say this, they take some liberties with the storytelling that I didn't appreciate in terms of I mean, we, revealing I can't the mystery, reveal anything. It's a murder sheet, but but they kind of do it in more. She said, sort of more step by step pieces than yeah. they did in the original. And also the original. Oh, and also we should say that Patrick Doyle, the composer, uh, who's best known for his Oscar nominated um, "Brave" and the and "Sense and Sensibility" mm-hmm. and a lot of other stuff. He, I. I felt as much as I like him, the music was kind of forgettable. It's sort of Brian Tyler ish. <laughs> Had that sort of Brian Tyler vibe. We, well, we've, we've been talking a lot about how Marvel themes are completely forgettable. Well, did non existent. Yeah. Like each individual Marvel or Avenger character does not have a recognizable no. theme. No. And we'll Iron talk about Iron Man. Iron Man <laughs> does whatever Spider-Man. an iron can. <laughs> like a, just an iron for clothes. <laughs> <laughs> can he clean? Can he like? <laughs> can he clean? <laughs> can he straighten your collared shirt? You bet he can with extra starch. Look out! He is the Iron Man. No. <laughs> well, we'll talk more about that when we get into Thor. But uh, one of the things about the original was the score was very good, and it really added to it, and it was creepier. The sequence in which they do the recap is way creepier, and they also don't reveal all of the pieces of this puzzle until the very end. It's kind of like they, they kind of get jaws a little bit. Like you don't see the shark till, till the, the end. end yeah. And this was like you see you the, keep shark the shark a couple times. A few yeah, times. a few yeah. times. And they do a lot of flashbacks to like the sort of you know uh, story that sets everything in motion. Well, that happens sort of in the original. Story. Yeah. But they Not don't do the it until the end. Right. Yeah. But in this, it kind of starts halfway through of like or they do it flashbacking. When recapping it a little bit if well, I Well, they kind of do it every time he interviews. Well, not every time. By like midway point of the mystery, they start doing Yeah, his re- and there's a little bit, I think, about that in the um, original. But, I mean, the original mm-hmm. had Albert Finney mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. Hercule mm-hmm. Poirot. Mm-hmm. Lauren Bacall and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer plays the Lauren Bacall, the Lauren Bacall character. Ingrid Bergman, Penelope Cruz took over the role. Which Sean Connery. Um, it was a good ensemble cast, this one. This was a really I mean, like good Sean ensemble Connery cast. And but Lauren I mean, Bacall and like, you know. It's pretty iconic, legendary. But uh, this people. one, but the original was John Gielgud and David Niven Dude, and Gielgud feel good. Anthony Perkins and Vanessa Redgrave and Richard Widmark and Michael York. I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of hard to compare. But they did assemble a really great cast. I like Michelle Pfeiffer a lot. I'm a big fan of hers. Everyone I don't, is. I didn't think she was as convincing in this part as in, as uh, Lauren Bacall was uh-huh. in the original. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we, I was entertained mm-hmm. watching it up until the mm-hmm. point where they show what they're going to do mm-hmm. for the reveal. Yeah. And then I was like, no. Well, having them all like fucking last suppering it up at the end too is yeah there's this like, shot where they're all outside because the train there's an avalanche and they have to wait to clear the tracks and they're they put them underneath in like this little tunnel but they're all at this table and they literally do a shot it's like a ripoff from the robert altman mash film yeah where you see the last supper scene with all of them mm-hmm. and that was a little like really i mean well, it's a little then, overly dramatic yeah it's, it's a little overly dramatic and it wasn't hmm I don't know. Compare it to like a Hitchcock movie. It didn't it wasn't as subtle. It was no. definitely like there's a lot of Hollywood 
you know, sort of versioning. Yeah, it's it's super. I mean, and I mean, the original also was directed by Oscar winner Sidney Lumet, who did Dog Day Afternoon and Network and Twelve Angry Men, and it's pretty incredible. I know. I mean, and it's it's. Well, Kenneth Branagh directed it, right? Yeah, he directed any and, and he produced it. it. Yeah, executive yeah, produced yeah, kind yeah, of his baby. His, yeah, his baby. And gr- granted, I. I I do recommend it. I think it's entertaining. I think it's going to mm-hmm. make money because I think it's different and it's yeah. sort of a fun. The fact that it got like a mass distribution. And, yeah. And we should say the screening we went to was the most oversold one that we have gone to the Arrow, the Arrow in Santa Monica. It was packed. It was all, there were lines down. For members and non-members. Yes. Usually there's a big non-member line and then the member is a line, but it literally went down and around the corner, like almost into the residential area off of Montana. Right. So it was like a huge turnout for this movie. I think I, we were trying to pinpoint what it was. People are like, well, ticket costs at regular theaters. Like, no. I mean, yeah, that's true, but we've been going to the Arrow for fucking years. Yeah. And there's big ones. Mel Gibson, the... Heartbreak Ridge. Ray Fiennes, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. There. yeah. Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, Viggo Mortensen, Ray Fiennes. Like, they get big names they show big up names there. They get big names show up, yeah. Never, and there was not a big name attached to the Q&A. No, it was Michael Green, the right. writer. And, Which is cool, but it's not Kenneth Branagh. Patrick Doyle, right. And it's not Judy Dench. It's not Josh Gad. Oh, I forgot to mention. Did I mention no. he's in it? Yeah, but he's Josh, Josh Gad, Gad uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Who's been doing Jr. the press tour for it, because he's on, been on all the shows promoting it. Yeah, it's a good film. It's a good movie. It's not a great, great it's movie. It's a good movie. I mean, I think that had I not seen the original and read the book several times, because I'm a big Agatha Christie fan, I would have a, I would really like it. So, yeah, I do, because I think that I'm jaded slightly because I'm comparing it to the original film. Yeah, sure. I I mean, I have not seen the original. I've known about it forever, and I've never read the book either, but I wasn't, like, blown away. I was so so ready. you were entertained. I was entertained, and I was ready for the mystery, and I love mystery stories and well-told mystery stories, and especially ones where I don't know the end already. Like, I didn't know who did it. Right. And I was sort of, you know, you like to sort of take your little guesses as the story goes on, and I think they did a, you know, it was a competent job. I'm listening to the screenwriter. I literally have to talk about developing her book and then also looking at the original script and you know he says he doesn't he's never done a procedural before and it's not his thing and having to do this as a you know um through the detectives it's sort of a procedural right for law and order that kind of thing but uh i thought that he did a you know pretty good job rewriting it it changed like you said other work is better for him as a writer because i think yeah I, I thought that the way he changed it was slightly lazy. Well, I just like I said, it sort of held your hand yeah. um, throughout the process. And then it, it was like we said, it was sort of rushed. He's like, okay, time to solve the crime. And there were mm-hmm. some other moments like when, like, this isn't really spoiling but he gets like shot, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that happens in the original book or movie. No. But he gets shot and then he finds out who did it. And it wasn't the guy that shot him, but wouldn't that guy still have to go to jail yeah, for shooting they, him that in was the a arm. Hole. That's true. I never like, thought about that. Like, you just shot a man. Of just, that was such an unforgettable thing to me that they did that. And, well, the other thing, too, is the, this Hercule Poirot with Kenneth Branagh is kind of handsome kinda and kind of swarthy kind of can run after and chase people and fight, and and fight. he's sort of like a Sherlock Holmes like a Downey he's Jr. like the Downey Jr. Sherlock it's Holmes it's like that sort of because he's sort of handsome yes and, but he's not he's, but he's kind of quirky like his eggs have to match in the morning and well and likes- that's the trait of 
Poirot in the books. Right, the eccentric. That, yeah, and the egg thing is actually a thing. But he, the Albert Finney version of it, he's kind of bent over. Like and Columbo, he's not handsome. He's not, not handsome, dashing. And he's not dashing at all. And he's very quirky. But the performance to me was better because he does quirky in a very subtle way where mm. it, doesn't, it doesn't beat you over the head with... I am quirky because of the measuring of my eggs, and I'm quirky because of my mustache. You or know? like Red Downey Jr., where they show like watching the guy's heart beat through his chest and planning yeah. is oh like, God. then I'll hit him well, from behind. Richie. But if yeah. I hit him from behind, he'll hit me in the front. Yeah, I hate that whole then thing. Then I'll drop my trousers, and oh, I've got a sweet little boner. And uh, <laughs> it's like it's like he's playing this out. Wait, why do I have a boner in this like fantasy? How come my fantasies always end with like a sweet rock and boner? Oh Lord, yeah. So I mean. It felt a little. It was a little glossy Hollywoody, yeah, and, for sure. You know, and I mean, that might have been ego driven. Yeah, like if I'm going to play Poirot, I'm not going to be some ugly little man. I'm going to be sort of handsome, and kind of eccentric, but also kind of cool. Not, that. I know, no, That's he's not. Well, my mom was obsessed with the A and E sh- episodic that they did. Yeah, that and was that, okay. The yeah. character uh, who plays the guy who plays Poirot, it's like yes, yeah, it's like little French guy or a little Belgian yeah. guy. You know, he, I, I was just that alone. I was like, mom, why are you watching this? This guy's not Sherlock Holmes. This yeah. guy sucks. I was like, you know, ten. Yeah. <laughs> like this is not cool. She's like, no, it's the coolest. I was like, okay. They set it up for a potential sequel because they t- t- as they're leaving he, they the come mountains, and get him and yeah. they say no w- when he arrives at the station they say there's a, a there's a murder in Egypt and on the Nile and the next book is Death on the Nile right. and there was a movie that was made Death on the Nile and they yeah. could easily make it a franchise turn into well, that well you asked yeah. that question asked to that question, the guy yeah and everyone was like, boo, bad That's question. That's what they said. And they were like, I think you need to leave, miss. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't know her. They're like, yes, you do. We saw you come together. Get him. <laughs> Get him. And I was like, no, please. Jerk. And like, they put a dirty old mustache on me. <laughs> made me walk down town square with my fucking pants around my legs. No, they didn't. Yelling, I am not Poirot. Well, in the original Death on the Nile, Poirot is played by Peter Ustinov, and that's a, it's another, it's Mia Farrow, it's... Um, John, John uh, Drangus. It's uh, Lois Childs, Betty Davis is in it, wow. Olivia Hussey. I mean, there's, it's again, once again, Angel Lansbury, a crazy Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith? Yeah, Jack Warden. I mean, so the originals, they took these very seriously. I mean, yeah, they were, as they were taking this, because they definitely put a cast in it that was a great cast. I'm, yeah. I liked Johnny Depp in this, and I haven't liked him in years. In anything. Yeah. Yeah, no, he doesn't really give you reason to like him. He plays kind of a gangster. Yeah. Sort and, of the uh, sketchy, but successful gangster. Yeah. You know, successful. With the past. But he's, and he's. He's pretty good in it, actually. Mm-hmm. Josh Gad was pretty good in Josh it, Gad's too. Josh Gad pretty good, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was. I mean, everyone is pretty good in it. Yeah, there's some Cruz funny was things. Good. There was she, that, like, fucking kung fu ballet oh, yeah, guy. that was. Kung they did some weird stuff thing. where you're like, this does not really fit in this setting. I know. And they Again, o- with the modernizing. Yeah, the yeah. modernizing's tough because there's some things about the originals that if you take them away... For the, you know, to modernize it, right. it sort of loses its original charm. But they're trying to get a new audience. They're trying to yeah. get a younger audience mm-hmm. that doesn't know. And in some of the questions that were asked in the Q&A, 
you could tell that some of those folks had never seen the original and they loved, they, they thought this was cool. So I, I could see this doing well and getting a larger audience. And I hope it does. Yeah, I don't I wish ill on this movie. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a fun time in the theater. I do like a good mystery, you know? Yep. And there's not a lot of them. And this is like Agatha Christie mystery. You yep. know, if it's, if, if it's not good, you know? How you fuck that up, you know, know? To give it, so it's fun to see something in, in a theater, and there is some pretty cool sort of like worth worth uh, seeing in a theater moments. Like yeah, they do some pretty cool CGI well, it, stuff with the train and with the landscapes. And, yep, and the yeah. cinematography is very good. It is good, it's it very really good, is. and there's some cool tracking shots on the train. Because it's yeah. one location. Oh, yeah. There's you know? some wonderful shots where they, they the, when the murder's kind of revealed, they do everything by this shot above, watching them go into the compartment. And that's very cool, the way they do that, Well, it's actually. cool to see how they do that, because a lot of that's done with, like, making the sets. Because yeah. that means they have to take the roof off the train and put the camera above and track right. it from the top. Well, and it's obviously set, yeah. Yeah, it's clearly... It's, what I said, you turkey. Yeah, well, you said, said take the roof off the train. Yeah, go let's go train. get a train and take the roof <laughs> off. Let's go fucking do that. I'm Kenneth Brana. This is my film. We're going to buy a train and we're going to discard Maybe the roof. they did. Yeah, okay. Moving on. Uh, I give it a seven. I give it a seven and a half. All right. 7.8 even. No, seven and a half. I, no, I liked it. 7.8. It's good. Right. It's a good, competent movie. It's just, I guess, you know, for you, you know, being older, wiser. Hey, now. Having seen the original when it came out in theaters, you know, when I, you're in college or whatever it was. College? <laughs> that came out before I was born, I believe, or when I was a very small child. When you first were um, married. You're uh, <laughs> a jerk. All right. Uh, we're going to split the difference and give it a 7.5. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good, for sure. All right. Moving on to Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Uh, directed by our one of our favorites, Taika Waititi, who did uh, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People and What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah, that, that launched him off because I found out in 2005 he was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, for a short film. I had no idea until just this week, so he's not new to the game, really. You know, but these those those two films you just named kind of like launched him into the uh the sphere and he's yeah. had stuff at oh, fucking sundance and things before. i know it's before before what we do in the shadows he's um, he's been doing it by the way he was in what we do in the shadows too so he's also an actor uh, and he's a comedic actor he's very yeah. funny he's also in, in wilder people yep. plays oh, yeah plays the priest yeah with a yeah, giant yeah, beard yeah, yeah. it's really cool <laughs> man he's very funny this has a equally impressive cast uh well not quite as but impressive chris hemsworth Tom Hiddleston, Kate Blanchett, Mark Ruffalo, Idris Elba, Jeff Goldblum, yeah. Tessa Thompson, and Carl Urban. Yeah. You don't like her. No. She's one of those people that pains me to see her face. <laughs> you know, like that face. She was in uh, most recently Westworld. face out of my shit, That's man. mean. No, it's not. Those nostrils. <laughs> oh, my God. Those <laughs> nostrils are just horrible. Well, yeah. nostrils aside, uh, so when last we met Thor, I don't know when last we met him. He wasn't with everybody, and uh, neither was um, Civil War. Hulk. They were gone. They were off fighting, looking for shit in the universe. I guess. He was off looking for Infinity Stones. Who, Thor? Yeah, because he says it. They do this sort of recap of where he's been when he's like been captured and yeah. starts off with him in like this chain yeah, he's dropped captured down in a cave. And, and almost in sort of like a hellscape. Yeah. He's just to fight a giant lava demon right. in the opening. And there's funny little 
Thor-like jokes yeah. of spinning in the chain. I'll, oh, here I come. Just give me a second. I'm yeah. just going to turn Pretty around. Marvel. Pretty Marvel jokes. Yeah. You know. But kind of, but also Taika. Taika like, jokes. Definitely funny. And then he ends up going back to um, his planet, Asgard. Asgard. And... There's trouble a brewing that well, well actually no they we meet Doctor Strange after he, uh, what happens he, he let's go in sequence here all right all right God damn guys he go kills ahead. the demon he takes the skull he goes back to Asgard with the skull to put it in the you know chamber of secrets or right. whatever the fuck it is and when he gets there he realizes that Odin Anthony Hopkins is just sort of lounging about and watching basically a play with Matt Damon mm. and. Luke Hemsworth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's like eating grapes and, you know, slowly but surely Thor puts together that it's just Loki impersonating right. Odin. And I guess Loki sent Odin to Earth. Earth, yeah. To be in a Shady Acres retirement home. <laughs> I don't know how that works or how that came to be, if that's something we missed in like the second Thor that we were supposed to remember five years later. Well, no, in, the se- in that second Thor, it was left with with uh, Thor coming to the throne, talking to Odin and saying, I don't want to be king. And then when he leaves, he turns into Loki and we realize Odin's not there. It's Loki. Oh, that's how it ends. Yeah. Oh, I see. I haven't seen that second movie yeah. in so long. I forgot that was a whole plot point at the end of the right. stupid movie. So he figures out it's Loki and then he gets Loki to, you know, whatever, tongue his ass or whatever, something like that. <laughs> he gets Loki to tell him where... Odin is, is. Yeah. and they go to Earth together, and then it's like Thor in cool clothes, right? And his like New York attire, <laughs> and Loki in like a, a black, black suit, that black was tie, weird. black suit, black jacket, and then yeah. Thor in like cool guy hoodie and jeans, yeah, just always kind of funny to me. It's like the wardrobe department, like <laughs> we're gonna like, put you in hey. something like cool modern Thor, <laughs> like just bumming around New York, taking the train like everybody else, and then they go to a. That's when they meet Doctor Strange. Yes. So there is a Doctor Strange cameo, and there are some stupid jokes in that with the never-ending beer and the yep. spilling of the beer, and then they end up in where, Norway or something? Yeah, because Odin's in Norway, so Doctor Strange does one of his little portal things. Portals. And they go through, and they see him there, and, you know... He's them, about to die. Yeah, it looks like he's going to die, and then we meet Camp Cape Blanchett. Well, because Odin dies. Yeah. It's basically... Cape Blanchett has been sort of locked away by Odin's existence. So right. once he dies and perishes, she's back full force with her crown of thorns. She's got a weird crown. And crown she turns out spider. she's the first child of Odin. Odin. And she's super evil. But Odin was evil too, we At find time, out. Yeah. And the only reason they got into a dispute is because after the Nine Realms or whatever, she wanted to take over the whole universe and he wanted to stop. And so he banishes her to some hot guy's ass or something like that and <laughs> then she's you know there until he dies yeah and then she comes back and basically is like i'm your sister i'm more powerful than super both of you she shatters the shatters them join your mulgin or the, the, the hammer. hammer yeah it's hammer i can't remember what do you call it it's like M-O- it, well it's like m-o-l-j-o-r-n-x-q oh. <laughs> it's like it's Moljener. Mol- oh, it's this okay. fucking hammer. Yeah. People know what the fuck I'm saying. Yes. Don't get pissy at me, fans. You say it better than I do. <laughs> Took a fucking Swedish course. Well, but so then they end up having to kind of chase. She chases them. They close the portal. Well, they open up a portal, and as they're going, you know that sort of 
uh, Idris Elba sword portal to Asgard. Yeah, and he's not there. Carl Urban's is there now instead. there because he's because kind of a... he was Loki's lackey. Yeah, say that five oh, times right. fast. Loki, yeah, Loki, Loki's lackey, Loki's lackey, Loki's lackey. There you go. Loki, Loki's lackey. One thing that didn't I didn't like was that he had two fucking M16s. And just like in light of what's happened, yeah, he's like, I got these two. F- I don't know. I know. I don't want to sound well, like fucking anti-gun person, sure that, but it's I just mean, kind of funny. Yeah, because the, the Texas movie a long thing. Time ago. Yeah, but it's, it's funny. He could have had like two Tommy guns or two whatever. Yeah. not that it shouldn't. Because be like, he talks about all his collection stuff yeah, that he's right. gotten around the universe, and basically he ends up using those uh, AR-15, like M16s. Yeah. They look like they're from Vietnam. It's just kind of funny after yeah. like the Texas shooting and like, shit. Really? Like, you can't edit it, that out. We'll edit it out or just make it. You know, he's gone all around the entire known universe collecting things. Right. And he has two AR-15s. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Like, I never even thought about that. It was just kind of funny. It sort of stood out. Yeah. It was just like just in light of recent things. Like, uh, I guess that's cool. Right. But yeah, you're right. They made that a long time ago. But they could have Tommy guns. Any like rifle that isn't that rifle right now, at least. Not that I care. I like guns. I but own guns. I forget. Thanks. Okay. Let's not talk about guns. I know, right? Um, when, so I don't remember how they get to it, but they end up in this other kind of garbage dump planet. And they end up there because they get pushed through the portal by yeah. her when they're ascending up to Asgard. Right. So being pushed through the portal, they just end up whatever part of the universe they're in through these wormholes. Mm-hmm. And he ends up on the, not the, the collector's brother's planet, who's Jeff Goldblum. Who's funny and typical. He's funny. He's Typical like Jeffy Jeff, Goldie. Yeah, Bloomy. he's very Jeffy Goldie. Bloomy, Gif, Jeffy Goldie. But Thor's like a sl- gladiator slave. Well, he gets, yeah, captured by, first looks like a bunch of Jawas, like at Star Wars, and they want to claim him. <laughs> yep. And then, like, pig face Valkyrie Tessa girl. Tessa Thompson. Yeah. She plays Valkyrie. She's a Valkyrie, for God's sakes. Yeah. Aren't they supposed to be a little more distinguished looking <laughs> as women? Hater. Yeah, hater. And uh, he ends up having to fight. Well, he gets captured. And basically, Jeff Goldblum's character says, you either fight for me or, you know, you become a sex slave. Something like that. For my donkeys. And he decides to fight. Yeah. And it's funny because Loki's already there. And he's like having drinks with yeah, like, he's like rubbing our elbows. Yeah. yeah. He's like in the cocktail lounge before the fight. <laughs> and he's like, that's my brother. And Loki's like, I don't know you. Yeah. That was pretty funny. And then he gets put into the... Uh, sort of waiting area cell block place of the the games where there's some funny new zealand dudes that are clearly in taika's films probably what do you what do you get a problem with my microphone here well i guess some people like to hear your voice i'm not one of them but <laughs> if, they, if they're gonna they might as well hear it directly and not from the side of your fucking face uh there is. Uh, I'm trying to see who one of these New Zealand actors is. Did you catch who it was in the credits? No, the voice actor. It's really funny. I mean, Taika gives an explanation for it oh, at the Comic Con. Clancy Brown's in it. Who was Clancy Brown? He's a voice. He was a voice character. So yeah, I know, but we didn't know who he, he was. He does a lot of voice acting, though. His voice. Well, I guess it's very distinguishable, but he does a lot of voice acting. Clancy Brown. He's fucking awesome. He yeah. does Lex Luthor's voice in all of the DC uh, animated. Oh, movies. does he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Clancy Brown, FYI, is the bad guy from Highlander, the original movie. And the bad guy from Pet Cemetery 2. That's right. Lead Scrapper. No, you've gone too far. I've gone too far. It's, his name's like Kronk or... Kronk? <laughs> Kronk or Gronk or... 
fucking thonker. Well, so there's some Taika, great Taika funny moments. Ooh. If you watch Wilder People and who, What We Do in the Shadows, he's very funny. And Oh, it's Taika's voice, Korg. He, he does the voice uh, of that guy because he basically he's this giant rock monster with this like little soft New yeah. England voice <laughs> or New Zealand voice. And uh, he, Taika said in, in the interview at Comic Con, which we were there to see, he mm-hmm. likened it to like the those giant Pacific Islander guys that are like bouncers at clubs yeah. and security, and they're huge and intimidating. But they took like this, <laughs> like, "Hey man, can I see your ID, sir?" <laughs> Thank you. You know, it's, it's basically yeah. that character, but a giant rock monster. Yeah. It was probably the funniest character for me yes. in the whole film. He had some of the best lines and the best delivery. Definitely. Sure enough, it's fucking Taika. It's Taika himself. Which is cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, I liked, uh, I liked that character very much. Well, and Rachel, I think her last name is House. I can't remember. She's the one. She's been in like five yeah, of House. these movies. Mm-hmm. She's in it. She plays kind of Goldblum's right-hand woman. Yeah. Woman. Uh, and she's sort of a badass and she doesn't yeah. have a lot of major part but it's no. cool that she's in it because yeah. she's fucking she, genius in Wilder People she should have been nominated for an Oscar for Wilder People so good Quite fr- oh and Sam Neill's in this too he has a cameo in it yeah he plays Odin little, yeah <laughs> he plays Odin in the uh, in the actual oh there we go he plays Odin in the uh, fuck shit yeah, play in, that in Loki's Loki does play, yeah, yeah. And so does Matt Damon, but yeah, it, but I said it would have been funnier if they said they actually like got Matt Damon yeah, to play they Loki. Have done that. Yeah, because they just sort of left it as this random actor, but, but it's it Matt, is Damon. Matt Damon. But yeah. Loki should have said something like, "Thanks, Matt. See you again next yeah, week." Yeah, you know, no, like, that would have been funny. That would have been pretty funny. But, uh, but it's entertaining. Yeah, it's I, I mean, a fun it's definitely, movie. And it, one and, of the things that and even with Disney's restrictions, Taika was yes. able to put some of his own charm into it, I, I which think I felt so. I, it felt like that, especially with the score because the score well, is the best score of any Marvel by movie. Mark Mothersbaugh, who was the lead, lead singer, singer of Devo. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, has done several scores now. And it's super 80s, retro, uh, heavy synths. You know, yep. it's really cool. And it's a lot of fun. So he, he, You know that he did Tenenbaums? He did Royal, Royal Tenenbaums, Tenenbaums. And he did the Lego movie. He did 21 Jump Street. No shit. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing scores for a while now. And that's a cool. Lot, for a really long time now. He's doing Hotel Transylvania 3. Oh, that's weird. Um, I know. He does People on Earth. He did the, the David S. Pumpkins Halloween special, which apparently oh, was crap. Funny. But Yeah, it's probably shit. He did. Uh, he's done all the Lego movies. The Lego Ninjago. Lego, Lego Batman. Lego Batman. Um, Oh, he's he working. did Ice Age, Pee Wee's Big Holiday. I mean, the, this is like a whole other career. He's got a whole. That's what he's been doing. He's done all the Hotel Transylvania movies. He did the score for Pitch Perfect, the Pitch Perfect movies. He's that's done weird. House of Lies. Yeah. So back to this movie. Yeah. He's <laughs> like go through his whole fucking career. Well, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. All the Lego movies and the Pitch Perfect. movies. Well, and this one where it's very, it's different. It's a different score than we're used to with the Marvel universe it's it's memorable you could argue that it is completely different yeah and much more better for it yeah more well, better and and to that respect i would say this is one of the best marvel ones well in concept in like execution and concept it is yeah. like it's the most sort of unique take that we've had to be like we've got to see it's not a josh whedon movie you know no, no. And the thing about josh whedon movies they're not bad but they're also they're you know you can set your clock to a josh whedon movie as a marvel film you know right. which isn't bad but it's also sort of wears it's welcome after seven of them or you know and yeah. they're all two and a half hours it still it still suffers from the 
sort of Marvel superhero fatigue, I think. Yeah. Because it doesn't really feel like they're not really like major motion pictures anymore. They're just another chapter in this giant thing. I know. And which, yeah. not to take away from this individual film, I feel like that about all of them, but it still suffers from that same thing, at least for me Guardians as a viewer. Didn't. Not the, the first, first Guardians did it because it was, it is almost, it is sort of it's like its own universe. Yeah. And there's no Thor and there's no Iron Man. There's yeah. no Captain America in those films, unless there's like stupid references that they do. But, oh, and like Stan Lee was in this again. And Ugh, I, I, I got. I'm sure people are going to give me shit for this, but I'm tired of the corny Stanley cameo. I really well, also am. he's 91 years old. Yeah, and uh, he's still they're still carting him out to do it. I know. And apparently he's already made done sh- cameos for like the next five movies. What? They just do them all at once. Yeah. Just because, because they know he's going to die. Old. Yeah. He's going to you know go I mean, into that big God comic book in the sky. That's great but it's just it's like that it's just kind of cheesy it's uh there's a cheesy stanley cameo yeah it's like cool man we there you did it yeah quotas filled it's almost like kenny getting killed in south park it was really really funny for the first two seasons and and then then, eventually they had to stop doing it because it just it's like you know a gag you can only do like a running gag for so long right but this movie yeah it's good it's It's not great it's entertaining it's got some cool moments and that kind of shit um he he fights the hulk yeah that's cool you see that in the trailers i mean and that's sort of a fun sequence and mark ruffalo's in it this i I did an interview which is going to be on our conversations with um podcast uh with uh vfx guy pav grahola who worked on some of these films and he worked on all the Harry Potters and he was, he was telling me that the thing about the Marvel universe and all films today, that they're making them with the idea that they're marketing to the world, not to the U S market. So they have to be kind of simplified Stories. So that everyone gets it. Dialogue, yeah, 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 because it makes a killing. It well, this this Thor movie put it. It's the highest grossing franchise ever. Now it grossed five billion domestically. Jesus. Domestically, more than Star Wars. More than Star Wars. Well, Disney owns both, and they own both. Well, speaking of Disney, because shout out to the Washington Post uh, film critic for uh i forget the guy's name well the, if you don't know the story the la times was banned from uh, seeing thor and probably would, might be banned from seeing the new star wars because they're they, banned from any advanced screenings of any of their properties for, right for now uh, for, for now. the moment but it's uh quite Alyssa a Rosenberg. fucking thing because it's super fahrenheit 451 and like it's kind of feels sort of 1984 ish yeah where it's you're like you can't see our stuff anymore because you put an article in your paper about us. It's like whoa. Well, they did a L.A. Times wrote a piece on some sketchy stuff that Disney did, um, and uh, in retaliation, essentially, it was like straight up retaliation. Yeah, like Trump style retaliation. Yeah, they've banned the critics from the L.A. Times for the thing about you know actual like film critics from L.A. Times and stuff like that. They have to get advanced screenings yeah to they're not stuff. like us they're like real critics <laughs> <laughs> because if they don't get the the if you have to get placement on google you have to be able to post it instantly before every you know yeah, before the movie comes out so that's so, yeah. critical for all of them to get a couple weeks in advance a week in advance so now think about that this is the la times is not able to review films like they Disney won't be able films. to review star wars yeah last jedi it's crazy. In advance. It's such a crazy thing. But Disney's like flexing their monopoly 
asshole. Like that whole thing with the theater releases and distribution of the movie. Yeah, what happened with that? Well, they're doing this really sort of stringent uh, sort of deal with all major theaters where they have to keep that new Star Wars in the uh, movie coming out in December has to be in their main auditorium, like their biggest theater, for six weeks at minimum or more, eight weeks, something mm-hmm. like that. And if they... Um, and then they only get then Disney still retains like sixty five percent of the gross from that movie, and if the theaters refuse to do it, even f- after four or five weeks, they add on another five percent of their take. That's bullshit. So they have to keep that Star Wars movie wh- it, right front and center. And then there's been some theaters that have said no. Well, like, I hope that continues because remember the story with the the Hateful Eight. Tarantino went uh, was trying to get one, he wanted like one night. He already had it. Oh, he, he had, had it. That's the right. night. He had the night in the dome in the Cinerama dome, Cinerama dome in Hollywood, which is seventy mil. It's a seventy mil film. And it's it's one of his favorite places. Like yeah. he's a super cinephile. He's he grew up with the dome. Like it's a big deal for him to have his movie in the dome. And it's a big deal in Hollywood for to, anybody, to have yeah. it. So he has it booked. He's had it booked forever. And then Disney strong arms uh Arclight Arc or whatever Light. it is. It was yeah. Arclight and said you have to play Star Wars in there throughout that you, whole week. If you don't, we're taking it out from all the arc lights across the country. Yeah. And 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 they did, and it, they fucked Quentin Tarantino because he already had it booked. He had movie, a deal. He had signed deal had contract, s- legal like, binding right. contract. And he said he could, he legally could take on the, as a lawsuit. But yeah. he's like, I could also. It's just not worth it. Yeah. It's just too much money. I have too many lawyers and too much money to fight it. So he basically was literally like strong armed out of that theater, and he only wanted it for like a weekend. Like it was just, it was two nights. Yeah, two nights or something like that. It. It was hatefully because they both came out on Christmas. Yep. And so they literally like, no. And it's like, you know, it's not just some schmuck. It's Quentin Tarantino's new movie, you know, and they still are like, no. And mind you, they already had like 10 screens in the other are in the main arc late. And they have it around the world. And it's the biggest grossing film. It's fucking makes a billion dollars every time they put one out. You know, it is. It's like uh, there's something sort of fundamentally wrong with monopolizing creative licenses and intellectual property. Like, I I feel like there should be some sort of weird, like, cap on how much individual, like, different intellectual properties you can really retain as a company, you know? Well, it's, yeah, it's called antitrust laws, and we do have those on the books, but they're not being used. Like, like, for example, like, who's AT&T buying? It's like they're about to buy someone here. Warner Brothers. Yeah, they're, AT&T's making a bid to buy Warner Brothers, and, you know, they bought Time Warner, and they bought, um, or they bought T-Mobile, and it's... The fact that we're, I keep wondering, how is this possible? How John Oliver did a piece on this, on oh, all the different, really? yeah, on all the different, um, like Google owns everything, right. Amazon owns everything. Like we well, have T-Mobile laws. and Sprint were going to merge. Right. Now they're not. But they, but they're not enacting like the t- the uh, antitrust laws, so that these companies are just getting to buy up everything, and there's going to be more and more of that. It's crazy. Like, yeah. I feel like there's long term implications for this with disney owning stuff this much stuff outright even though you're like what it's a superhero movie or what it's star wars like who mm. cares but it's like to own what like the world loves like that yeah and to have the rights to it like up and down yeah forever is kind of scary yeah i know it just down the road it just seems like a bad precedence to just 
sell Disney. Just sell it to Disney. Well, and we'll remember own it forever. When we heard that Star Wars was going to be purchased by Disney, it was, it was like weird. it's over. Yeah, it's it was. Over. Oh, it's over. And everyone's like, "No, this will be great. No, no we'll get Star Wars movies forever." And yeah. then it's like, think about what you're saying. Is that great? Yeah. And then you think about it again. You're like, "Oh no, that's it's awful. Not that great. Yeah. That's not great. I don't want to see every single character's prequel every year. Like every year, yeah. we got a Star Wars we got, movie. We're gonna get like an Ewok movie. Yeah. And see how the Ewok started." <laughs> <laughs> and like just for a kid, like straight Moon up. Moon of Endor movie. Yeah, Moon of Endor, the movie. Yeah. Just like Ewoks. <laughs> just to sell like Ewok slippers and, and onesies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, they would. It would sell. Oh Lord! And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if down the road they'd do like a Jawa movie. I know. Or what are those Tuscan Raiders? The movie. Yeah, that'd yeah. be so funny. <laughs> or the little pig people that were like Lando's Lando Carlos. Oh yeah, those guys. Those guys have a yeah. movie. The <laughs> those pig guys people. Have a movie. The little pig planet. Oh boy. Well, yeah, it's frustrating. It is frustrating. It's, yeah, yeah. It's. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It makes me not want to like give money to any of these properties i know it's kind of scary it's like coca-cola you know just like don't buy any of their products no well i don't know i mean i think we've talked about this before just with all the harvey weinstein stuff it and which is snowballing and there's all it just feels like there's a bit of a hopefully there's a bit of a revolution going on where people are sort of fighting back well when you tell me that the theaters are like saying no we're not gonna do that yeah some of them are it's i hope more of them do that and i hope more people join this woman from the um washington post whose name is Alyssa rosenberg who says i will not be reviewing Last Jedi or any other Disney movie in advance. And she can, mm-hmm. but she's not because she's standing in solidarity with the, the LA journalism. Times. Yeah. And that's like a weird thing. It's like repressing news. Yeah. You can't do that in a democratic society. Well, our president's doing it. I so, know. I mean, that's, and, you know, well, that now the sets a precedent. Rots from the. The fish rots from the head down, I know. as they say. You it's know? like you, just because they posted an article about some sketchy shit you're doing, you're like, like, all it does is draw more attention to it. Right. Like, I didn't know about that Disney article that the LA Times posted until they, this whole thing came forward about them banning people from the screening. Right. So it's like, really, it, does, it always does the opposite. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know about any sort of Disney uh, funding anti-welfare but shit. But now you do. And now yeah. I am well aware. Yeah. You know, whereas now, before I was just Delaware, you know? Right. I'm in Delaware. I don't know what's going on. Right. Now we're in Delaware. Wow. (laughs) Delaware. What would you give Thor? I don't know. Like six, seven. Seven and a half. I don't know. I like I, I like Taika. More. I like it more like an eight. You like it as an eight? Yeah, I do. I give it like seven and a half. I give it an eight. So, it'd be like 7.8. Yeah. Split the difference. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. And it's fun to see in a theater. It just doesn't have any lasting impressions anymore. I feel like these Marvel movies don't really make a lasting impression on me in any meaningful way. No. Well, and one other note on the Disney bashing. Uh, If you note every one of their movies is like in the 90s percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I know. Every single time. Every single time. Which is crazy because none of these movies are 90% no. films. Well, and that's like they bought Rotten Tomatoes. They bought the critics. That's what that is. Yeah. They bought a lot of... And a lot of those people, like folks, just take it in mind, you know, keep it in mind that Rotten Tomatoes, a lot of those people who are on there are just like not real critics. And they say they vet them really well, but they don't. And there's a lot of people who... It's like everything today. It's like that South Park Yelp stuff. Everyone mm-hmm. can review restaurants and be a food critic. Yep. Everyone can be a restaurant, a, a movie critic. So... 
take it with a grain of salt. Go see stuff yourself. Look at a bu- look at Metacritic. Look at you know. Yeah, cross- Metacritic's better. Again, follow Anthony Lane in the New Yorker, or the L.A. Times, or other publications. Yeah, that yeah, are- NPR has a yeah. Joe Morgenstern. He's yeah, a great absolutely critic, man. I love I love hearing it's short. It's a audio thing, three minutes. He re- review the movies. I love it. Yeah. I love listening to him. Yeah, I mean Thor. Overall, you know, the Cape Line Shed and she's cool. She's cool, and there's some cool action, and uh, it's it's you know a fun film. It's not a great movie, but I'm happy for Taika because it fucking killed at the box office. Yeah, and I I'm happy for him too. And I feel like with the success of this, he'll be able to make his own thing again and have a bigger budget. Right. Well, they're talking about he wants to do like a Nazi comedy now because <laughs> he's Jewish, half Jewish. Yeah. And apparently, like his mom was obsessed with. Nazi stuff really? growing up in the house. Oh, funny. And yeah, well, and he's, al- funny, and he's also doing the uh, sequel to What We Do in the Shadows. That, I can't wait for that. Which is po- supposed to be very a funny film called can... Werewolves. It's about the werewolves. So, oh. Yeah. And so it'll be Reese Darby, I hope. That's it's fucking great. hilarious. And yeah. So he's got some stuff coming up. And I guess this will be the last Thor movie because the Infinity Gauntlet's coming up. Infinity War? Infinity War, yeah. Woohoo. Woo-hoo. Well, Justice League's next, folks. November 17th. Uh, Shit, excited yeah. about that. Yep. We'll definitely be reviewing that. Yeah, I'm excited. It's been a long time coming, and it's been a sort of winding road with this film. Yeah. You know, a lot of stuff has come up. I know. Zack Snyder out with his tragedy, and we've yeah, got Josh Whedon in. in. Yeah. And changing Junkie the- XL out. Yeah, Danny, Danny Elfman, Elfman in. in. Yeah, apparently he's putting in the original Batman theme from the animated or from the Michael Keaton. Like they're weaving really? that into it. Yeah, which I think is great. That's great because it's yeah, it's awesome. So we'll see how they do that, and you know that's kind of exciting. Hopefully it doesn't shit the bed and just is like, well, they made a Marvel movie. You know, hopefully that doesn't happen. I don't think they will. I mean, Jeff Johns, who is kind of the creative head for DC, is yeah. still on the case here. Yeah, and I think I think he's that, done some pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. He re- he's the one that revitalized uh, Aquaman. Right. He's the one that created the whole like Blackest Night. Uh, Green Lantern series where he creates the like Red Lantern and the Orange Lantern and the Purple Lanterns. Right. And, like he's fucking pretty solid, you know. So yeah. I trust him. Cool. And yeah, Thor. Thor. Is there anything we left out about stupid Thor? No. It's fun. I mean, it's a Marvel movie. Go see it. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it is better. It is better than a lot of these. Better than Thor 2. Better than Iron Man 3. Way better. Better than Iron Man 2. It's fun. Some people said it's too funny, which I think is weird. It's like no. I could do with a lot of funny right I now. I can tell you I didn't, I wasn't, uh, trust me, it wasn't it's too funny. It's not too funny. <laughs> like, trust me. Like, I don't no. know. What, well, meaning, in other words, it's all super jokey jokey and not serious enough. But yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever. Whatever. Definitely it wasn't, that wasn't rolling in the aisles. No. It was like, you know, sort of like those goofball Marvel cheesy funny moments. Yeah. Like you're leaning on but something and you don't know where to lean. But they're a little less cheesy because yeah. of Taika, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. And yeah, most respects, yes. All right. Well, uh, that's it for us, that's I believe. That's it for me. For this episode of the Herald of Modcast. And as always, go to our website, thehmcnetwork.com. And as always, check out that new Young Thug in Future. And all, as always, you can go and hear our latest episodes of We Talk Dead. Walking Dead. And this money turning me on. <laughs> this right. money turning me on. See you, jerks.